Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. nine of the writing the gary kelly's podcast you won't be hearing us promote any ball trimmers on the podcast this week as we've got rid of all the lads and it's like a podcast version of loose women however we're going to be talking about the beautiful game and not the tv choice awards hello kaylee and lucy isn't this lovely hello great isn't it (laughs) what a nice change this is so we're recording the morning after the night before so we'll be digging into the 3-1 defeats chelsea we've got an under 23s update from chris We've got Mr. LUFC Stats on the line to talk to us about his new book. And we'll finish off with a brand new game that you do not want to miss. So without further ado, let's crack on. So a 3-1 defeat at Stamford Bridge last night. Leeds scored the first goal, but Chelsea showed the quality in the second half. What are your guys' thoughts on last night's performance and the result? Uh, Obviously, the result wasn't that great. Losing 3-1 is never good. Um, I think the main thing to take from that game is always dive in the penalty box because if we a dive there, we would have got a penalty, I feel. Um, obviously, it's easy to forget as well that Frank Lampard's team is worth more than a small town in Yorkshire. I think, is it £22 million he spent last summer? I think they're saying Grew's worth like £40 million, whereas our starting eleven was worth £48 million. And Sometimes you just can't compete with teams of that calibre. But then... I don't think we pressed as much as we normally do, have we seen earlier on in the season. There was a few mistakes in defence. Uh, I think Jack Harrison was a bit slow in that second goal. I think he got caught out a bit there. Alan Oski and Liam Cooper, sometimes I feel struggle to keep up with the pace. But then Chelsea are a great side so far this season. You know, they could even contend for the title. Um, but then Mizzier, once again, obviously about the three goals, I think he had a good game. I think there's a lot to learn from it. And you know, it can't be in the Premier League and you're going to get dumped once or twice. But no, actually, as a whole, I didn't leave that game feeling too deflated. There's a lot of positives to take from it. Yeah, I think it's a tough one, really. Like Kaylee said, you've only got to look at like how much they've spent on their team compared to us. Um, I thought we played really well first half. I think it was best I've seen Coops play for a while. I don't know whether it's because, obviously, Lorente come in, he felt like he needed 
just sort of up his game a bit. Um, but yeah, I think that was best I'd seen him play for a while. Uh, Calvin as well, first half, I thought that, well, the ball to Bamford for the goal was just out of this world. Second half, very sloppy, just giving the, the ball away too much. But again, like Hayley said, they're a, they're a good quality side and we're going to learn a lot from him. I think I'd like to have seen Rodrigo come on a bit earlier as well. I think getting him more involved earlier on in the game, I think that could have made a bit more difference. But um, yeah, overall, it's it's a tough one to take, but um, we're, we're going to learn from these experiences. Kaylee, you mentioned there that um, we didn't seem to be on the pace as much as we usually are. And I saw a stat last night that said that Chelsea actually ran, ran 6k further than us, which doesn't necessarily seem much, but actually it's not very often that you see a team outperform leads in terms of that fitness and distance covered so I think maybe that that was a factor in that they pressed us really hard they pressed us constantly throughout the game and that's obviously something that we normally do to teams ourselves and it maybe came as a bit of a shock so that's obviously something that a lot of other teams will look at and maybe something we need to prepare for moving forward um, we touched on Diego Lorente there. He made his debut for us last night after Robin Cox's injury early in the game. It was a bit of a baptism of fire, wasn't it? Especially with the weird noises that Chelsea fans were making at him all night. Um, are you guys confident in his ability from what you saw? Uh, yeah, I am. Obviously, the dynamic wasn't for him to come on that early on in the game. I get the impression Vizsla wanted him to have at least one or two more games within the 23s. And obviously, Cox getting injured so early on. Just change the dynamics of your whole game. But no, I think he played well. Obviously, he's not... I'm assuming he's not up to full match fitness at the moment. And considering he came on very long in the game, I did think he played well. He wouldn't be, I won't name Jock, but he wouldn't be the defender I'd be looking to drop at the moment. I think Lorente and Cox together, when obviously Cox are from injury, I think they could form a great partnership in defence. Interesting. Lucy, what yeah, do you think to that? Uh, yeah, I thought he played, um, he played well to say that, well, I didn't expect him to come on, but obviously um, when he did that replacement for Cock going off um, early on in the game, um, at the end of the day, he's a Spanish international. Obviously, Bielsa wanted him and can see potential in him. Um, so I think, yeah, like you said, um, we've got to give him a bit more time. Obviously, the, ner the nerves would have been there last night and I don't know what the Chelsea fans were doing last night. It was quite embarrassing, to be honest. <laughs> But yeah, I I trust him. Um, it looked it looked decent. Yeah. So we know why they were making noises at him. It was really curiosity. weird, wasn't it? Yeah. It was almost like um, kind of people down their local Chippendales night at their local community centre or something like the weird whistling and hooting noises they were making. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. I tried to search through Twitter for it and I just couldn't really find out about it. But yeah, I didn't get it either. Well, that comes on to something I was going to ask anyway. It was um, obviously our first game back in the ground with fans albeit Chelsea fans, like I say, who were making some weird noises all night. What do you guys think about having just home fans in the ground? Is that an added advantage? Is it more pressure to the home team? Actually, we were discussing this last night when we were watching it. Um, it was a step in the right direction, which is great to see. because It's a small step. Um, and I think if I was a Leeds player last night, it would have encouraged me to um, go on and score a goal. Obviously, you get that motivation trying to shut their fans up. Um, but it would be nice to have both sets of fans back in the stadium. But unfortunately, I think we're along, especially as guys in tier three. I think we're a long way off that yet. But um, yeah, it works in both ways. Obviously, it's good for the home team. They get the fans back there supporting them. But then also, it's great as a player to try and shut up opposing fans, isn't it? So yeah, I think it's the best out of bad situation for the time being. Yeah, I think I like Kaylee said, it's a step in the right direction. But at the minute, I don't really agree with it. I think if they're going to let fans in. I think they should be letting them in at all the grounds. I just, I don't know. 
how like how much it's going to affect teams and stuff we don't really know but yeah I don't really agree with it letting some stadiums have fans and some not having fans but it's it's the world we're living in at the minute so we're just gonna have to wait and see and hopefully we'll be we'll be back there soon I would imagine finances are probably driving the decision but yeah it's it's um an interesting one because obviously there's no consistency across what each of the teams are facing so I'm not sure how you can kind of say that everyone's got a fair chance but anyway like you say it's the kind of situation we're in um another really strong performance from Ilian Melier last night no clean sheet this time round but some brilliant saves throughout the game um particularly where Werner was involved not sure what he was trying to do with that shot come goal line clearance early in the game um but it could have been a much bigger score line for Chelsea for not not for our young keeper couldn't it I think First thing we need to do, even January after this season, is get him signed on a longer contract. He's only 20 and he's performing so well. He's the best goalkeeper we've had in, say, since Rob Green. <laughs> it feels a lifetime ago. He's the best goalkeeper we've had in years. He's just getting better and better each match. He's just constantly improving. Has he got the second or third most clean sheets in the league so far? Or something with the last few? I did. Andy will know this stat. I'll have to ask him that question. And yeah, even that picture of him last week, he did that double save and he was almost like he was flying, wasn't he? Like, he's so, yeah, I think he's great. I think he's best goal for in years. I want him on a long contract. Hopefully he'll stay with us long enough to become a Leeds United legend. And yeah, hopefully we'll go places with him in net. Yeah, really impressed with him last night. Um, obviously, you look at it and you think, oh, I did concede three goals. But again, it's not just him, it's the rest of the team. Um, I thought he played outstanding against uh, Everton last weekend. Yeah, and I've got to agree with Kayla. Get him on that longer contract and hopefully he'll keep... he's only young. So he, he's going to be around for years and years. And hopefully we can keep him and he'll keep improving and learning. Yeah, it's natural to be critical after a defeat as well. But I think now that we've had the night to digest, we're kind of reminded of the reality of the situation in that we're back in the Premier League after 16 years with a squad that isn't too far removed from the Championship team, up against a team who cost upwards of half a billion pounds and will no doubt be challenging for the title at the end of the season. However, I do think there are some concerns around Alioski at left-back and that obviously the changing centre-back pairing. Do you think that's something that will improve with time or is it something that we need to be looking at in the transfer window in terms of that left-back position? I think we've always struggled haven't we, with that left-back position. I think it's such a hard position to fill. We've never done that well in it. I'll ask it was, for the Championship, I felt he was a great player for us. And he was regularly getting goals and assists as well. But just I don't think he's quite got the pace for the Premier League. Because it's early on and I would never say be... I would never put in my starting eleven personally, in the Premiership. Premier League, sorry. But um, I just can't understand how... We've got Rodrigo on the bench and Alanoski starting. I think I'd change our whole team's formation. Would you have Dallas in it? Would you have Dallas in at left back then and be starting with Rodrigo? Yeah, I, don't, I always say Dallas is like Howard James Milner. I think he can play pretty much anywhere, can't he? And I'd put him in there, yeah, slot him in there. We never know. He might perform beautifully in that role. But yeah, it's definitely a position we need to look at. But then again, at the same time, it's a position that we've struggled with for as long as I can remember. We've never been able to fill that position. Yeah, I think, like you guys said earlier, I think having Dallas and Rodrigo on at the same time um, would really make a difference. Um, I love Alioski to bits. I think since he came back from international break, I think he's been playing really well. I think he's got that bit of confidence in him. Um, but last night, he wasn't up to scratch, I don't think. I think against Everton, he was he was much, much better. But obviously, it's a completely different game when you look at it. Um, but yeah, I would really love to see Rodrigo start games. I think if he'd have started last night, I think he could have got himself a goal with the way the game was played. Um, 
and that changed the whole whole story of the game. But um, it's something that's that's going to take time. But then also it could be something that we could possibly look like look at in the transfer window. So the penalty that wasn't a penalty. Um, we saw Perveda in a challenge that looked almost identical to the one that Danny Welbeck won a penalty for last weekend. However, Ian didn't go down and the ref played on. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? You know, if he'd gone down, he would likely have won a penalty. So as VAR kind of shifted our perception of what um, challenges are, you know, worthy of penalties these days. Yeah, definitely. When we watched that game last night, we was like, if he dived, if he went down, we would have been, it wouldn't have been a penalty, but it would have been a penalty. I feel like we see a handball now, isn't it? Um, I think, obviously, good to see Pervada being so honest about it. Always nice to see. But it is just encouraging teams now to dive in the box. I, last night, we were screaming for him to dive, and that's not what you should be screaming when you're watching a football match. It just doesn't feel right. I think that, just once again, second season needs a big reassessment. It's too anal about the decisions it make. I feel if you're watching something over and over again and look at it from... 25 different angles over a five minute period just give the girl our penalty I think yeah it's just I'm just I hate bar at the moment I do not like bar at all and yeah you shouldn't be screaming for your player to dive during a football match it just doesn't feel right at all but then if it did dive yeah I felt it would have got a penalty and that would have made it 2-2 then would it have made it 2-2 I mean not sorry that would have made it um yeah, it would have been 2-2 if we yeah, put it in. Yeah, right, and that can change the whole dynamic of the game. It's like, again, isn't it with Bamford's offside with his hands, that would have made that game 2-2, and that can change a game. But, yeah, once again, but I just well, won't even use that time. This wasn't in our favour. But, no, I feel that was a penalty. It wasn't, but was, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's a difficult <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Agree? Do you agree, Lucy? Yeah, definitely. Um Oh, it's it's a really tough one. Like like Kaylee said, you don't want to be shouting at the telly going, dive, go to the floor, go to the floor. But there's just no consistency whatsoever around VAR at the minute. It's just it's frustrating, like you said earlier. Like Danny Welbeck won the penalty last weekend for the, exactly like the same thing. And oh, it's it just frustrates me. You can't celebrate a goal because you don't know whether it's offside by the tiniest little margin. Um, or there's been a foul on the build-up or, or anything, but it's it's just ruining the game. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement on that one. <laughs> um, so we put it out on Twitter to get some fan thoughts on what you guys thought after the match. Um, so Ingham says it was a good first half. Performance dipped a little bit in the second. Defensively a little shaky, but kept going until their third goal finishes off. Man of the match is Melier, even with a couple of nervy moments from the young keeper. Joshua says, decent, genuinely decent. They've spent around £490 million recently. We played okay, lost overall. The late goal was gloss. Paul says, I think it's the best team we've played against all season. Both sides made mistakes and both sides capitalised on the other's mistakes. But the best team on the night won and nobody should be disappointed in that performance. And finally, Isaac says, not Alioski's best performance. I think we're pretty much in agreement with all of those points, aren't we? Yep, I'd agree with all them. I think, yeah, it's positive tip for the match. I don't feel like we got particularly thumped, per se. I don't feel like we should go with a tail between legs. Yeah, it's almost a learning curve. And Chelsea's team, it's just, it's an outstanding team, isn't it? If you look at their starting 11 sub-bench, it's arguably got some of the best players in the world at Sanford Bridge. And Giroud is just a level above everything. I just got like five goals now this week. That's insane. Classy, classy player. 
Yeah, he is, yeah. I mean, was there rumours that he was going to come to us at one point? I keep reading that and I think he fit perfectly. He was, he was very complimentary of us after the game, to be honest. So, you know, maybe yeah, give it another season. Isn't it? Yeah, I think he'd fit in brilliantly with our system. But obviously, I'm not sure what his weekly wages are. Probably more <laughs> than the Leeds MP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While you're browsing Twitter during the break, why don't you head over to the Terrace and check out their Leeds United range for all your retro, classic and modern day gear. I'll tell you what, Dick, I've got to say, I love a good brew in my Tony Ball mug, bought on the terracestore.com. So we're going to get on the blower and give our Leeds United under-23s reporter Chris McMenemy a call. Hiya, how's it going? Um, it's not really been that busy. I, I would say the main news this week has been that Niall Huggins, the left wing-back, um, from the under-23s, he signed a new deal until 2023. He travelled with the first team to Everton last weekend and has been quietly one of the better players in the under-23s team this year. Originally, he was a striker, and then last season, he sort of converted more to a left winger. Now he's um, a fully-fledged left wing-back, as as is uh, sort of the way the Bielsa's under-23s tend to go. Like Nobody has a real defined position until... Until, until they've been there for a couple of years. but um, So he signed a new deal, but there was no game this week. So that's the only news we've got for this week. Last week, they had uh, West Brom at home in the Premier League 2. They won 2-1. They were 1-0 down early on. Really sloppy goal to concede. But they had Paveda and Rodrigo in the team and were sort of trying to batter the door down for the rest of the half. They... But instead, 1-0. So they withdrew the two of them at half-time to Robertson Costa and uh, Tyler Robertson and Helder Costa. Mostly Tyler Roberts, but Costa contributed too. They kind of changed the game in the second half. And West Brom just tried to hold on and hit them on the counter-attack. But with 10 minutes to go, um, Tyler Roberts scored a lovely little toe poke, which you don't really see anymore. And uh, Costa then, six minutes later, he won the game with a goal, which I'm sure pretty much everyone's probably seen by now. On uh, he should be beat four or five players and then just poked it home, but that's been nominated for goal of the month uh, over the whole club this month, which kind of tells you there's not really been that many goals scored that they haven't been under 23s games. But other news, um, a thing I thought I would pick up on is there seems to be a real lack of depth in centre midfield. So on for the the game against West Brom. Stuart McKinstry would have started in the left sort of centre midfield spot where you would usually see Stuart Dallas recently or more often Matthias Click. But he dropped out with about five minutes before the game for Sam Greenwood, who's normally a number nine. And I think that kind of highlighted that there's really not that many centre midfielders in the under 23s. The main thing has been that like Matthias Bogus is away out and alone, so is Robbie Gott and so is Alfie McCalmont. So, you know, there's your there's probably a three-man midfield there, and they're all gone. So whenever they're playing, I think I picked up on this in the the Newcastle game. There's been a lot of been a lot of games where Leeds just kind of lose control of it because they've got nothing really in midfield. It feels like they play with three defenders and then seven attackers, really. So that was one thing I thought I would pick up on. Other other than that, it's been really quiet. Like the the other notes I've got here is that Max Dean from the under twenty threes, he's been playing for the under seventeens. Recently, he's only 16. 
he scored four goals in two games in the under 17s cup and uh Nolan Kenny has been training with the first team. He's a, a centre back or a defensive midfielder. He's only seventeen. He stepped up from the under eighteens this year, but he's been training with the first team. Last week we saw in the training video of him kicking the ball about with them, but he's uh, physically he's fantastic. He's six foot three. He looks like a fully grown man already and he's only recently turned seventeen this year. And technically he seems to be getting there too if you watch the under twenty three games. Just jumping back onto Huggins, um, yeah. obviously he, you mentioned that he's been kind of travelling with the first team. Do you expect to see him, see more of him with the first team moving forward? You know, maybe is he the answer to our left back issue that we've been discussing? Uh, I wouldn't say so just yet, purely because he is he's quite slight, and uh, I, I mean I don't know how, how quickly he's going to build up muscle, etc. But he's quite small, and even with like at least Davis would have been, you, you saw the amount of times that he travelled with the first team last season and was on the bench and would have picked up a couple of minutes here and there. But I think it, it's a bit it's a difference between stepping up into the championship and stepping up straight from the under twenty threes into the Premier League. I would say it would have been great if they had stayed in that uh the EFL trophy, the under twenty ones, because that would have given them the under twenty threes and well under twenty ones more of a chance to get some game time against senior teams like they had with Blackpool and Barrow and Accrington Stanley. But I think like we might see them in the FA Cup is probably the only time I would say, or if there's a series of injuries. But other than that, I, I I wouldn't expect to see anyone anytime soon. If anyone was going to come into the first team, it's likely to be Joe Gelhart. But he's kind of disappeared at the minute. I think he might be injured because he didn't play in the last game, but he was seen uh, knocking about Thor Barch on the day of the game. But yeah, I, I'd say it's probably a little bit too soon for, for Huggins to be considered. But I've been proven wrong before, you know, at least Davis started in three minutes notice against Aston Villa two <laughs> seasons ago. So God knows. So ahead of the January transfer window, do you expect to see any of the, these lads kind of move on to League One, League Two, maybe even championship clubs to try and get some of that first team senior football? Uh, last year, I would have said definitely not. But this year... Potentially, I mean, you know, Bielsa, obviously, he's let Gotts and a few others go out on loan, which he wouldn't have done last year. And I think it's it's more a case of, I think, him and Victor Orta, etc. will have to look and see, are they going to bring anyone in in January? And if not, can we rely on any of these younger players? I, mean, I think in the first team, the biggest gap is probably in centre midfield beyond the, first, the, the players that are there. I mean, Jimmy Shackleton is, is there, but he's injured quite a lot. And like I looked at the bench yesterday, and there's nobody you could bring on to replace Dallas or Click. I mean, you could push Click for, further back and bring on Rodrigo, but I, I think if anyone's going to go out in January, it would maybe be a Charlie Cresswell or maybe one of the the, the defenders. But I, I can't I can't see it now. That's great, Chris. Thank you, um, Kaylee, Lucy. Do you guys have any questions for Chris? Uh, no, the question was about Geldhardt. When do we think, yeah, he'd be first team ready? Because for me, he's the player that really stands out now in the 23 squad currently. Yeah. I haven't said that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of those ones that, you know, everyone's, it's like Ryan Edmonton the last two years. Everyone's like, oh, surely we should give Edmonton a go. But he, I don't know, it's only been a, a few months. And I'd say he probably isn't too far away. But then again, with Bielsa, you know, he gives young players a chance, but he's also very stubborn about dropping players. 
So, you know, you might see him in the FA Cup, and if he impresses it's not, he'll maybe get a few minutes here and there as the season goes on, but players get tired or getting injured or whatever, but I wouldn't expect to see it. Although I would what I would I'd caveat with, you know, we talk about I talked about Ryan Evans and Gellhart is a better player. Like he's he's all he was already a, a championship player last season, first team for Wigan and was although he only scored once, he was quite good. So, you know, the the recruitment this summer, players like Gellhart, Jamie and Greenwood are a little bit of a step up from what we already had. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him develop with us. And yeah, I hope yeah. we'll get a bit of game time this season. Yeah, hopefully so. There's, I mean, there's only two more under twenty threes games before the end of the year, so you'd be quite worried about some of these guys getting a bit rusty. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris, and for the update on the under twenty threes. We'll keep a close eye on what develops over the next few weeks. No problem. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Paul Robinson, and when I'm not out on the golf course, I'm listening to Right in the Gary Kelly's dot com. So we're now joined by Andrew Dalton, a.k.a. Mr. LUFC Stats, as he talks to us about the launch of his new official Leeds United book. Yes, uh, it's basically a bit of an add-on, because I did the first edition uh, last year for the centenary, where I was asked by the football club to do a look back of 100 years, uh, and it was first released on the night of the centenary dinner at Ellen Road last year, which is an awful long time ago now, and... Uh, I had a lovely picture taken with Liam Cooper, who was holding up the book with all the centenary celebrations. And I had a deal with the publishers where if Leeds were to gain promotion in the centenary year, I would do an add-on with the book. And I've done an extra chapter talking about talking about the, the championship-winning season last year. It's got a little bit of sad bits in. Obviously, we had the death of, of three legends, of Trevor Cherry, Norman Hunt and Jack Charlton. And they're sort of the kind of intro to the book as well. And it's got some wonderful pictures from the celebrations uh, of the winning the championship back in June, July time. So it's basically a hundred year look back, or a hundred one year look back now, I suppose. But yeah, something I'm really, really proud of, and it's kind of my fourth book that I've done for the football club, and, and something to look back on when the, the night's closing over the winter months, really. Definitely. Thank God we had a good end to the season, eh? Yeah, um, I think had we not won promotion, I don't think it would have been done with this, but I'm really pleased with it. I'm really happy with it. Some of the pictures that they've chosen are absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I'm really, really proud of it. It's something to look back on, especially in the last 12 months uh, of the last season, and it's something to be really, really proud of. Yeah, definitely. You absolutely should be. So, perfect Christmas present then. Yeah, uh, if you go on all my socials, it's all over social media from, from my Twitter, Facebook and my Instagram. Uh, if anyone does want a copy, they're now on sale in the Leeds United shop at £30, also online at £30. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's come out the right time. I know there's a lot of other good books and a lot of good authors out there. But if you want to sort of a look back in the history of the football club, it's an ideal present, really. Very good. Definitely be looking at that for myself. Yeah. Um, so, what did you think to last night's performance and result? Uh, I think there's been a lot of overreaction for, from last night. You look, I look back at it with a comparison to the Everton game where we were absolutely magnificent uh, last week when Rafinha scored the winning goal. Chelsea is another step up. Chelsea are a side that are going for the championship. And as much as we dislike Frank Lampard and what have you, they were well worth the result last night. I thought they suffocated Leeds in midfield. And had it not been for Mesley in goal, it could have been more of a scoreline. But these aren't the games that are going to define our season. We've got two home games coming up against West Ham and Newcastle in the run-up to Christmas before the big one at Old Trafford. And look, there's going to be ups and downs. We're a newly promoted team. 
uh, of this much from the from the football league after 16 years in the wilderness. You're not going to win every game. You're going to have some lulls in a season. And last night was one of them. I thought Chelsea fully deserved the victory. They suffered Casey Townsend in midfield. Uh, and, yeah, I can't really say more than that. But you look at the last three fixtures, Arsenal, Everton and Chelsea, you're offered four points. You take it. OK, we probably should have got six against uh, Arsenal to win that game. Further than that, we are where we are. I don't think really danger of being sucked into relegation scrap. And I think we'll win more games than we lose over, over the next few months, really. Completely agree. Lucy, Kayleigh, do you guys have any questions for stats? Uh, yeah, again, I completely agree with what you said. I saw your tweet last night about, you know, that game doesn't define our season. And yeah. I agree, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah it's... I, I just feel there's such an overreaction on social media. And, and that's the problem with social media these days, Kayleigh, that... You lose the game of football, it's all oh, Cooper's this, Dallas is that, Harrison's that. A week ago, you were lauding these players. Um, yeah. We've got a fan base, and I'm not trying to have a go at the fan base, it's very fickle. The, there was one car, I'm not going to swear, that, oh, we're so beep, beep, beep. Hang on a second here, this is the team that went to Everton, who had been on a really good run uh, at the start of the season and won 1 0 and could have won by three or four. You go to a team that, have just beaten uh, Seville 4-0 in the Champions League. Giroud got over four. They're a team that are probably going to... Well, we'll chance the time. might win the title. And there needs to be a little bit of realisation that... I'm going to second it. We're not going to win every game. Yeah, so I think our heads didn't climb a bit, wasn't it, from the first few games. And then yeah. obviously that Leicester game was a bit of a pullback down to reality. And now, yeah, social media can be awful sometimes. I hate to see yeah. a player reading some of the comments. I, I feel sorry for some of the players sometimes because, as I said, this is a squad that Bielsa was assembled that first year in 1819, we were very close to winning promotion, I'd lost in the playoffs. And last year, we got a record number of points at 93 points. And you're not going to keep getting that same amount of success year in, year out, especially when you move up a league. And there's just got to be a little bit of an expectation thing. Hang on a second here. We finished 17th in the league. That's a brilliant season. You then build from there. So you're going to get hiccups along the way. And it was a free hit for me last week, last night, Chelsea. And there was no expectation to go and win that game. And I think sometimes you just need to rein it in a little bit that you're not going to win every game. You're in a different level. You're playing against world-class players. That squad that Chelsea assembled last night, I think it was, what, over three hundred million pounds so, yeah, we've got two home games coming up against West Ham won't be easy, Newcastle won't be easy, but it's an opportunity to get some points on the uh, points on the, on the table, really. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Stats. Um, no problem. You, you guys at home can win a signed copy of an official History of Leeds United just in time for Christmas. To enter, all you have to do is share a link to the episode out to your followers. Make sure you tag us so we can see that you've done it. And we'll pick one of you at random to win the book. Best of luck. Thank you so much, Stats. No problem. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. If you're struggling for present ideas this Christmas for your mates and your family, the Terrace have got you covered. To make it even better, you can get a discount on all your Leeds merch by using the code RITGK15 when you get to the checkout on theterracestore.com. Don't forget to drop us a tweet and let us know what you ordered. So the Wheel of Witten is taking a break this week. We've literally knackered it. So we've had to go back to the drawing board and we've got a brand new game with some pretty special sound effects. So we present to you... Guess who? Now we're taking requests for a new name because that one's pretty rubbish. So if you've got one, just tweet us. But let's get started.
give you up to five clues and you have to guess the person that has some historical connection to Leeds United. And when you think you know the answer, you just need to buzz in. So, before we get going, let's try out those all-important buzzers. Lucy, this is yours. It's brilliant. Applauds the crowdies. <laughs> and Kaylee, this is yours. What a day to be alive. Oh, me. Brilliant. <laughs> Thought you'd like those. <laughs> so, fact number one. This person was sentenced to three months in prison back in 1995 for assaulting a taxi driver. Fact number two, at the time of his transfer, he was his club's record signing for 1.6 million. Fact number three, he was once locked in a cage in the back of Vinnie Jones' car. What a day to be alive. Who do you think it is? Uh, was he our manager at one point as well? Is it? Um, I mean, that's another it, clue. That is wise. That is wise. But she's got it. She's got it after two. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really Jones thing. I remember my dad telling me that once. <laughs> very good. Very good. I mean, my final fact was going to be that he's only five foot six. So I just wanted to like slag him off a little bit. <laughs> Kevin went on TV at that time and he was wearing like a toupee and his hair was really weird. What? <laughs> I see, I'll send you a picture in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> he went I feel that needs to be the still thing. for this podcast. <laughs> I'll find it now and I'll send it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's the first round of Guess Who and she smashed it after two facts. So I think we need to make it more difficult moving forward. That's us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we'd love your reviews. So don't forget to pop over to your favourite podcast platform and leave us a few stars and some kind words. We'll be back soon. So take care of each other. Network.